0: You ain't ready to put five years of grind into anything yeah, without happen. making a quarter. Right. Don't even start. Sometimes it takes that long to get over the hump. A lot of people want checks, but bosses cut checks. We want the money, but we also gotta use the money to make the money. So it's it's really about having that mentality that you're ready to work. The reward come when you get down and you get on your grind. Do not complain about what you didn't get from the work you didn't put in.
1: Hey, welcome back to the Garage Build Podcast. The Tennessee Motorcycle and Music Revival is back at Loretta Lynn's Ranch this May 18th through the 21st in Hurricane Mills, Tennessee. Events include the Coal Miners Hill Climb, flat track races, and music from artists such as Nikki Lane, Wade Jennings, and more tickets are available at MotorcyclesAndMusic.com. Team Dream Rides in Maryville, Tennessee is located only minutes from the tail of the dragon and specializes in performance engine upgrades, used bike sales, service, maintenance, and repair. Visit teamdreamrides.com or follow at Dreamrides Tennessee on Instagram to keep up with all of the latest news. Billy Lane's Sons of Speed Vintage Motorcycle Racing is coming back to Tennessee National Raceway. This Memorial Day weekend Go to BillyLane.net And click the Eventbrite link To purchase pre-sale tickets You're also going to find Tons of officially licensed Chopper Inc And Sons of Speed merchandise Join Billy and the Sons of Speed family This Memorial Day weekend For vintage motorcycle racing Not sure if you guys saw He released some coffee this last week I bought a, a little four pack myself Hey, 1620 Workwear is premium made in the USA Workwear, guaranteed for life. Visit 1620USA.com. Use the discount code SPEED2022. You're going to save a ton at checkout. Make sure you're following 1620USA on social media. This is another episode of the surprisingly popular Inside Job podcast with myself and John Jessup from Team Dream Rides. Thank you for all the DMs. Listen, we're here to help you guys. John and I have been through the shit for the last 20 years. It's kind of funny how we came about knowing each other, but the arc of our careers is very similar to each other. And we are here to share all of that stuff with you. So if you guys have a specific topic that you want us to address, make sure you hit us up. Send us a DM at garage built podcast or send one directly to John and we'll see if we can address that situation for you. We're here to help. And, uh, this is another episode of the inside job podcast. You're listening
0: to the Build podcast with your host Jason Holman.
1: Hey, John. Hey, buddy. Yeah, what's up, dude? Dude, we've just had one. It, I think it had to do with um, uh, we've had a uh, big. Uh, military air show at the airport here close by and everybody's oh, okay. been complaining for the whole last week that I think I don't think it could handle the amount of cellular service yeah. stuff and who knows if they're scrambling let me get my tinfoil hat out <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I, I had a I had a subject in mind that I was thinking about and you know you know we talk so much about the the pitfalls of being um motorcycle shop owners and I really felt like um you know we needed to start focusing maybe on some positive things and maybe uh, some things on the sales side of stuff. So I was thinking from a retail space, uh, what do you think of the subject matter of letting your customer be right versus the old retail adage is the customer is always right?
0: Uh, I'm down to explore it.
1: Yeah, I I would think that, um, you know, we'd have some some pretty favorable, uh, just some (laughs) some insight on that for somebody, you know, people, You know, it's, it's pretty easy to, to delineate out, like how you should, you know, you can just say like, Hey, the numbers don't lie. The math adds up, you know, this is how you do, this is how you do a job. This is we. you know, you gotta, you gotta kind of schedule and figure out, you know, when to get somebody in, when somebody get out. But, you know, the sales thing is something that you and I are kind of innately have the ability to do nowadays, where a lot of people haven't developed that, that that social skill yet. Right? They haven't developed that muscle. And I don't know if they've even thought about like, you know, um, there is a sales process. There is a proper way to do it. There is a kind way to do it. There is, you know, it's more than just knowing your product, wouldn't you say?
0: No, absolutely. It's, uh, there's a, it's, a, um, it's definitely a skill. You know, there's, it's, you can't be an order taker. Right. But at the same time, you, you can't push product down somebody's throat either. So there's kind of like a fine line you got to
1: walk there. So when when a customer comes into your shop and and let's say it's a it's a brand new customer they they've heard of they've heard of Team Dream Rides but they haven't they haven't explored it yet and maybe they've had a, a less than favorable experience or they heard about somebody who had a really favorable experience at your shop um and they've heard it. they maybe they've had like a negative experience somewhere at another shop or maybe at a dealership and they've heard really good things about team dream rides and they come in what is your process at team dream rides for you know getting to know that customer getting to know that customer's bike kind of can you can you walk me through kind of your introductory to the customer and to your staff
0: well yeah i think uh you someone comes in and um you know, they're they're peeking around in your shop, you know, they're walking around or you know, so we make sure we greet everybody who walks into the store, you know. Just by say, Hey, how you doing? or or you know, if you if you have any questions, let me know. End of deal. You know.
1: And how soon after them, they walk in, do you have like a standard where you're like, we used to have a five-step rule, like once the customer's five steps in the building, that gives them enough room to where you don't feel like you're jumping on top of somebody, but at the same yeah. time, you let them know that that you're here to help them and, and you know, you, you want to earn, you want to get some information from them and provide information to them.
0: You know, I, I wouldn't say that we have a uh, set rule or anything like that. I think um, I've been very fortunate, you know, hiring a, a staff that's pretty adept at, you know, just, You know, like, treat people the way you want to be treated in this story, you know? Um, So, you know, we greet somebody, they come in the store, they're looking around, you know. If you just leave it at that, you know, half the people are going to leave. We're as much in the people business as we are in the parts business or motorcycle business. So what I mean by that is um, you have to develop a relationship, and the way you do that is you know, we'll ask the guy, you know, wh- what do you ride? You know, everybody likes to talk about their bike, you know. So let them, let them tell you about your bike, what they're, what they're riding, and, you know, and, and you know, uh, ask them, you know, is there is there something they're looking uh you know, any project they got going on with their bike, something they're looking forward to doing, any trips that they're taking. They just start developing a relationship on a, on a personal level that's not even necessarily on a sales level. Right. Um, because the, the fact of the matter is the reason they're in your store is because they want to spend money with you at some point or they want to see if they want to spend money with you at some point.
1: That's a very good point, so, John. That's a very good point to, to say like, they're not there necessarily to spend money, but they're there to see if they can or will or if it's the right fit for them, right?
0: Yep. Yep. I mean, you're, you're in the interview process, you know, they're, they're seeing what, what is, you know, what's the shop about? What's the overall feel of the shop? You know, are they welcoming? Are they uh, too cool to talk to Or, you know, wh- whatever the story is, you know, right. And, um, you know, I, I found and the way I believe we've been fairly successful is, they're just getting to know people, you know, and and we so we'll have guys come in with bikes that they're so excited about, and I think to be honest, I I, I think they're hideous. But you know what? It hey, ain't my bike. It's not my dream. It's not what turns me on. But at the same time, I can appreciate that that guy's excited about his bike. So if you if you jump onto that, that he's excited about his bike and you go out you check his bike out with them you look at it and then inevitably the reason they're there is because they're looking for an expert cuz most even though a lot of the customers pretend to be experts on their bikes they're not and and they know they're not you know so <coughs> pardon me what works good for me is um You're just listening to them, and eventually they start asking you questions, and you're able to execute their vision for their bike in the best manner possible. So, you know, if a guy's wanting, um, man, I got this, you know, I want this bitch in stereo, right? Well, I don't give two shits about stereos, but that doesn't matter because it's this guy's dream. So, we'll we'll listen to him, and we're going to find the best. Product is putting these bikes going to be problem free. We're not adapting car car stereo stuff on this bike. We're gonna plug and play harnesses and right. and done done to a done to a standard, sitting at our standard. Sure. So, um, but bottom line is, you know, I'll, let let's back up for a second. So I've got a uh, my my truck. You live in the truck. I've got a 2005 F350 6.0. Right. the 6.0 the 6.0 motor is a um, you know some people love it some people hate it you know that's a whole huge debate but you know what I I can't find and I would love to find I would love to find some local shop that was the expert on on my my truck you know what I mean sure and it almost wouldn't matter what they were charging me because I'm looking for the expert. Well, guess what we are? You know, we're experts when it comes to the guys Harley Davidson. You know, so we're able to provide that level of service that I can't find for my truck. Right. And then it made me think about that a little bit going, well, you know, hold on. We're, we're able to provide, you know, there's, I'm not going to say there's nothing we don't know about these bikes, but, We know them very intimately. You know, there's, there's not a lot that can't be handled in one of our shops. You know, we, we can, from stem to stern, it doesn't matter. You know, we, we know upgraded parts. We know, we know these bikes so well, um, that we're able to provide that level of service for the customer. So when that guy comes in, you know, circling back, when that customer comes in and we start that building that relationship with the customer. Right. And we're able to demonstrate to the customer, our level of expertise without telling him our level of expertise. Cause nobody wants to be told, Hey, we're the fucking experts. Yeah, exactly. No, You you have to show them.
1: Yeah. You know? Show me right.
0: You, exactly. You don't, you don't do that. You show them. And next thing you know, they are telling all their family and friends, that this is where you got to go because they were treated with respect. They weren't that, you know, they weren't sold to They you know, we, we, we listen to what the customer wants. And we made and we made and they,
1: decisions and recommendations based off of what they tell us they really are looking for. You know, exactly. that's such a key piece. You know, one of the things that you, you, you'd mentioned, you're like, ask them about your bike, right? Well, one of the things that I've learned that has worked very well is as a shop owner is asking a customer to show me their bike, right? So that gives us a chance to leave the sales for quote unquote, the, the showroom to where maybe the customer feels a little tepid. Maybe they're not as comfortable, especially in the first, the first time in, you know, they may have been at other shops, other places that didn't have the, the inviting, you know, you, you have the distinction of having a very, very nice showroom. Like, you know, it's well lit. There's good music playing i know this sounds weird but there's there's bathrooms where people don't have to ask where the bathroom is and i know that seems like a silly thing but people can just kind of come in walk through get a good thing go in there you know go to the bathroom wash your hands come out and there's a there's a thing that happens there where they feel a little more comfortable and i found that when you ask people to show them uh show you their bike you see what they're proud about. You see the things that they've done. It's gonna tell you a story. You know, are there weird zip ties in weird places? Uh, Are they working on their bike themselves? Which is not, it's such a great thing, you know, I mean, we all started out doing it that way. And I wanna encourage that as much as possible. But you could also have an opportunity to say, hey, wow, you know, Those tires are from, you know, 2017, those are six year old tires now, you know, it's probably time to start thinking about getting some new tires, have you thought about that? You know, what do you like about the bike that you have now? And I've found that just by being quiet and walking around the customer's bike and identifying a few little things here and there, that the customer will tell you a story about his relationship or her relationship with their motorcycle that allows you the opportunity to really, really understand why they're at your shop, what they're looking for out of a shop. You know, some people don't want to work on their own motorcycles at all. Some people have in the past and don't have the time to do it now. And some people really are looking for someone to kind of point them in the right direction. Like, you know, I really like doing my own service. Great. What kind of oil do you use? You know what I mean? Have you thought about getting a lifetime oil filter? You know, you can clean it out when you go to do your service. You can see if there's any metal in there. I mean, there's all these different things that happen, right?
0: Yeah, no, there's, there's, you know, that that is a key thing, is to take the time to go out and see the customer's bike. That's going to do um, several things for you. So on the part side, you can sell them parts. You know, you just listen to what they're because inevitably they're going to tell you what they're looking for. You know, and they're looking for recommendations. They might want a can, but they don't know what, don't know what can they want or whatever whatever the inquiry is you're able to help them with that. You know, the next thing on the service side of things is you get to interview the customer and interview the bike. Meaning if you want to be a profitable service center, you cannot work on everybody's bike. Okay. Some bikes are, you know,
1: beyond their, work. beyond their serviceability.
0: Just, yeah. So just, what I mean, you know, if somebody brings in some, some, uh, Evo soft sale that every tweaker in the county's worked on <laughs> and it is just a fucking shit show. Well, there's a good chance that that guy, when he finds out what you're charging for professional services is not going to want to deal with you. And if he says, okay, yeah, can you fix my primary leak? And then you get it up on the rack and you find $6,000 worth more repairs. He's going to look at you like you're a thief yeah and, and you're you're trying to take advantage of them so you know what we do on on bikes like that is we're just you know as brutally honest without being a dick as possible and we say hey look uh in november december is our slow time you know this bike during peak season is not you know we cannot give it the level of attention it needs and um If you'd like to bring it back in November, we'd be happy to work something out. And then November, maybe we can give them a better deal on the the labor rate, and it's not so bad.
1: Yeah, discussing discussing outcomes is is something that I think... Far too many people. I mean, we've all heard about the person who, you know, we heard about the cu- We've heard about the customer that took their bike over to XYZ Cycles and uh, XYZ Cycles promised them the moon, and they didn't get the moon. They didn't. They didn't even get out of the atmosphere, and uh, the customer is disappointed with that. Right. Well, then there's the other thing that happens where, um, maybe the customer's not being 100 percent upfront with us either about why they're at our store. And we've all heard about the seller's remorse where man, the new kid that, you know, you know as well as I do 20 years ago when you started your bike shop, you didn't get to work on all of the fanciest, nicest bikes in the area. You got to work on the bikes that you talked about um, that were basically passed around like a cheerleader at a frat party, you know, from shop to shop to shop and everybody stuck their finger in it and and fucked it up. And you know what, Those, those bikes are redeemable to some degree. Um, But you're right, man. It can cost you so much as a shop owner if you do not interview the customer and interview the bike, right? It's such a critical thing. I I love calling it an interview too.
0: You know, the the thing that kills me is, you know, the hardest thing that it's been for me to wrap my head around over all these years is um, generally when we're working on a bike, there's a level of ownership, you know? Sure. Um, When I'm working on this bike, I'm working on it as if it was my own. Sure. Right, which is, on one sense, it's really good. That's what a customer wants, right?
1: Sure, they do. I've had customers tell but, me that.
0: But the flip side to that coin is, on my bike, if if a job takes a hundred hours, well, it's my my time, my hours, my bike, my whatever. On a customer's bike, the hardest part is to realize that. You know, the bike comes in for a, a you know, I, I always go back to primary leaks, but fuck it. We'll, <laughs> we'll stick to the same. It's, it's such you a know, common thing. You, it comes in for a primary leak, right? And you get in there and the, the main shaft bearing race is shammed up into the, into the, the fifth year seal or the main seal rather. Um, I'm showing my age with the fifth year. So
1: right. Yeah. It. Yeah.
0: Anyway. Um, it's jammed in there. You find problems. Well, you know, if it's my bike, well, you know, we got to, we got to do what we got to do. Remove that race, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, if it's the customers, bike, we're selling time, you know, we're selling, you know, so that, that's the hardest part is, you know, having that kind of separation where now we're going, well, we better call that customer. because this, this is that customer's bike. It's that customer's problem. I'm here to fix this problem, but we have to be compensated for it because, everybody in the shop deserves to be able to, uh, make a living, work hard, make yep. a living, go home, and all that kind of thing. You know, and what happens is as shop owners, especially as young shop owners, we tend to give everything away. Um, man, I, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm rambling. With, no, you you're, know, you're not. So all these
1: that's, I, that's that, my job is to keep notes on all of your good information. So we're just, to, just a recap real quick, you know, when you're, when you're providing, when you do that interview, you go, let me back up for a minute and talk about the interview that you talked about. Cause you're interviewing a new customer. You're also interviewing a new bike to, to some degree. So you've asked the customer now, Hey, tell me about your bike. And then the cut the bikes there, show me your bike. Right. So you go out there and, and you find a primary leak, which is an excellent place to be at because especially when you're, when you're you're drawing attention to a job that could snowball into something else a primarily can be the inner bearing race it can be the starter shaft seal it can be lots of lots of different things it can be the the spacer between the main shaft and the uh in in the in the in the pulley especially on a five speed where that spacer goes out the little o-ring gets uh, gets pinched and and fuel and fluid comes out. So you gotta determine whether it's primary fluid or trans fluid. And the only way to do it is to tear down, right? And something that you said that you kind of just kind of glossed over, but I wanna make sure that young shop owners, and even if you've been doing this for a long time, listen, John and I together have probably made so many mistakes that we've learned from. And this is the purpose of this is to share these, these, these things and turn them into teachable moments. When you have a service department, you sell squares of time. Right, and there's only, only so many squares of time in a day. If you are open eight hours a day, the squares of time that you can book for that day are eight. That's what time you have. Because we want all of our employees to go home, and we want the shop owners that listen to this this podcast to go home feeling accomplished. Right at the end of the day, that's what you want to do. You want to feel accomplished. You might, man, you might be beat up. Your fingers might be might be you know, fingernails might still have dirt under them, and, and your and your knuckles knuckles are all bloodied, but um, you go home accomplished, you're going to sleep well that night, right? Even if you know you got the same same bike to work on tomorrow when you come in. But having that conversation with a customer is such an important thing because, like you said earlier, you said you have a standard in your shop, right? And so at Cycle Stop, one of our mantras is, is the customer sets the expectation, but we set the standard, right? There's a standard of care in your shop, and that's something that you do not ever want to give up. You never want to sacrifice your standard of care.
0: <coughs> Correct. No, you do not want to sacrifice your standard of care. You, you want to, it's difficult because you want that bike to come out perfect. You know, pardon me, I've been fighting this, uh, East Tennessee allergies here, kicking my butt. (laughs) Um, You want the bike to come out perfect. You want the best (laughs) results, but at the end of the day, there's a lot of bills that are involved with owning and operating a motorcycle shop and and just as a technician you got all your personal bills your tool bills everything else well you have to be paid for your time you have to you know and that is the hardest part about doing our business is is being able to bill appropriately and communicate to, to the customer in a manner in which they don't feel like they're getting ripped off um so you know we interview the customer we look at the bike we decide that okay we're going to work on this guy's bike um and one thing we can learn from the medical field is that they're never going to say hey we're, we're solving your problem they say well you know
1: we're practicing here's medicine
0: here's you know we're practicing here's something that is going to you know, here, here's something we think will take care of it, right? Yes. And that's on your body. That's on your body with people who are, I'd like to argue, what have a higher level of a, education than any of us, right? Sure. So one thing that I really strive to, and, and you know, with the service writers and anybody in the shop is to, to use, stop using terms like, hey, here is the problem. If we do this, it'll fix it, Right. Right because a different word track that I like to use is look, we found a problem. Okay. And until we fix this problem, we don't know if there are any other problems. Right. You know, and you know, what the way you set the customer's expectations up will dictate his openness to receive a phone call later. So going back to this inter-primary deal. So if we, if we tell a customer, hey, look, you know, our, our typical interprimary service, what we're, we're resealing the transmission, we're resealing the primary, because if we're in there, we're doing both. We're just going to do it. Okay. Now, if we find any other problems, we'll give you a call. Right. Right. That, that, leads them up to being okay well it is possible that they're going to find stuff that they don't know about right sure i believe society has preconditioned everybody to assume that the service department is there to fuck them okay we've all heard the stories of the lady who gets taken advantage of or you know uh you know in the movie grand trino they're going in the barber shop talking about how the service department's fucking them. you know that's just in our culture okay well it's our job to fight that and the way we fight that is we educate the customer along the way we don't tell them hey here is the problem if we do xyz it'll fix it right because you don't know that you it's not your bike you've seen it for maybe 15 minutes you know so what we do is we we try and lay this the the expectation out to the customer of, hey look here's what we can see from here until we get in there, we, we just don't know, you know. And until it's fixed, it's not fixed, you know. So, and if the if the customer is not okay with that, you don't want the customer.
1: No, no, you know? you're yeah. You're already you're already pre you're already predetermined an outcome. The predetermined outcome is going to be that you're going to feel unfulfilled, and the customer is going to feel taken advantage of. Which brings me to the point I want to jump in here on. <laughs> as a shop owner i do not do quotes i do estimates so talk to me about the difference between quotes and estimates with your customer in the verbiage and what the difference of them really are
0: well so i'll give you a quote if we're installing handlebars we're upgrading something there's nothing wrong with the bike and we're doing a job a cam install whatever the job is that we're doing that can um has a has a predetermined. determined You know, we've done this a hundred times. We know what it takes. Here, Mr. Customer, this is what this costs. Would you like to do it, right? Uh, As opposed to, hey, my bike's not running right, and I'm not sure what's going on, or my buddy says it's this, right? Now we give a quote. We're saying, okay, well, here's what it's going to take to get into it. You know, we think we might have an idea of what's wrong. But until we get in there, we just don't know. right? So yeah, those are two different scenarios. And in most of our shops, we deal with both of those scenarios. So if I'm a customer, I'm going to want to hear, well, your handlebars, uh, you know, it should be a thousand bucks for inflation. But, you know, who knows? It might be more. You know, know, I don't know if I'm going to. But if my bike's broke, now I can understand that other scenario.
1: So let's talk about. For men, let's back up twenty years to where you were. You were the you were the the greeter. You were accounts payable. Your accounts receivable. You ordered parts. You were the salesperson. You were also the tech. You and I, um, when we worked in the service department, primarily by ourselves. Um, we would get into a situation. We had taken everything from from cradle to grave, right? We had done the. We'd done all these things. We had greeted the customer. We asked them about their bike. We asked them to show us their bike. We provided a customer an opportunity to ask questions. Uh, we provided information and feedback that proved that we were the a- expert. Uh, we never sat, We never sacrificed our standard care. I mean, we may have done this early on as a mistake, but we learned not to sacrifice our standard of care. Um, versus the squares of time we had available in a day, right? But as, as somebody who is trying to create an enterprise where there's other people working in it, In business, relationships are everything. As a small shop owner, your suppliers are key to the relationship you develop with your customers. Key benefits, like parts availability and a diverse list of brands, set Hard Drive V-Twin apart from the crowd. While other distributors are trimming their catalog brands, Hard Drive is adding new brands almost monthly. Hard Drive has brands like NAMS, Electric Lighting, Hoffman Designs, Santoro Fabworks, and Suiki Speed. Racing Brothers and Fox Suspensions, and dozens more, just to name a few. With six warehouses coast to coast, it's likely that Hard Drive has a warehouse near you that allows you to offer your customers one-day shipping in many cases. Since 2013, Hard Drive has grown to become the first book of choice in many independent shops and dealers due to their lightning-fast shipping and excellent customer service. Visit hdtwin.com to find a dealer near you or to become a Hard Drive dealer today. We're in, in being in this together. One of the things that I learned was to teach my uh, my mechanics to don't stop when they find a broken part. We stop when we find one that's not. What do you think about that as a statement? As as kind of as keeping things in line when you go back to, cause you don't want to call the customer multiple times. You don't want to find a broken part and go, oh, I just found this broken part Mr. Customer. And, and we're, gonna, we're gonna place this part. And then you put that part on and you. go, oh, Well, we, we put that part on and then we found this other part. And now the customer's like, Jesus Christ, number one, do these guys know what they're talking about? I don't think they do. I don't think they paid attention to my bike. They maybe didn't listen to the problem that I was describing that I had. I don't know if this was the problem or not. Then it just, you come off as, even though you might be a very adept mechanic, it's very important the communication wise that the customer understands that you know what you're doing.
0: Yeah. So that's a lesson we all, we, we have to constantly learn, you know, and, and the hardest part is when, when you start having employees and everything else that they have to learn it too, you know, and, and some, some things can be learned verbally. Some things have to be learned with experience. Um, but, you're right. So for us, we're, I want them, I want them to do di- So we're doing three different service tickets on the same bike. You know, okay, we found a broken part in the primary. Move on to the next two things. Let's find everything we can possibly find wrong with this bike and, and call the customer one time. You know, I'll invite the customer to come down so that we can show them what's going on with their bike, you know, and that, that when uh, l- people are le- less apt to get pissed off face to face, you know, because when you're showing them the problems, you're going, here's, here's what's found here, 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 you know, this is what it's going to take to fix it. The reason I called you down here is because it's really hard to describe over the phone. Sure. You know, without a, a intimate understanding of the bike, you know, and most customers are like, cool, fix it right on, whatever. But on the other hand, like you said, if you, if you call them with, you know, five different fucking phone calls, by the end of the phone call, they just, they they feel like they're being milked, you know? So, you know, that, that's, uh, that, that's a, you know, that's hard, you know, that's a deal breaker. That's going to lead to a bad experience.
1: Yeah. And ultimately you want your customers takeaways, especially the first time, first time out, you know, you, you absolutely want them to be like, Hey, I feel really good about this. I feel like, you know, we're, I feel like we're, we're onto something good here. I feel comfortable. I want to leave my bike here with you. And, uh, so, you know, that's what you want the takeaway to be. And you also have to understand too, that you're not always going to get that the first time. You know what i mean you're not going to get no. that the first time sometimes it takes a couple a couple of times for the customer to come in sometimes the customer has to get you know they're in a situation where maybe they're on the fence about some stuff that's going on with where their bike's being cared for now or maybe they know that they're going to be out of town and not have the ability you know due to a a, a new job or something of that nature to where um, they're going to be needing somebody that they can rely on in the future and therefore they're Going to rely on you, right? So, you know, um, really, what you want them to do is you want them to come back. You want them to you you want them to 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 try, you know, to try to work with you in the future. It's, you're not always going to get it in the very first in in the very first time.
0: Yeah, no, it it, it takes time. It takes time to develop that relationship. You know, it takes time to, um, you know, it, it just takes time uh, you know I agree a hundred percent.
1: How long was it um how long was it when when you started when you started out to where you started to see some real discernible traction that you had the same customers coming coming back frequently?
0: I think I think there's going to be those people you know when you first saw I started my shop when I was twenty three years old. Sure. as a kid you knew i knew you know i had no business opening my own shop i was over uh, overconfident and whatever the hell but you know you take it till you make it i guess <laughs> you know and do you i mean
1: do you really feel like do you really feel like you had no business opening that be- because i didn't know as much a six, uh, you know at the beginning as i did six months in and, and i really feel like there was some things that happened that i m- might not have, uh, man, I really might not have taken, taken on the responsibility. You know what I'm saying? Well, no. Yeah. Yeah. And what I, what I mean by that is, you
0: know, when you open a, a shop as a young kid or whatever, right, there's certain credibility that you don't have, you know, you can have all the skills in the world. If you're 23 years old, there's a lot of the customer base who's going to walk in and be like, yeah, this is a kid. You know what I mean? So, and well, well, I had, I could, I could, you know, get around on a, you know, I, obviously I'm still here. So I did something right. But at the same time, like what I, what I meant by that is, man, I, all the skills that have taken me, you know, we're here we're having this conversation 20 years later, you know, man, if I could have listened to this podcast, then, oh my God, you know, that's, that's why I like doing these podcasts is because, you know, we want to, we want to try and help maybe a younger guy, whether it's younger in age or just in business or, or. Yeah. Inspire, whatever. educate,
1: you know, kind of prop yeah. up and in, you know, we want, we want people to feel, yeah. we want people to know that they absolutely they're what they're going through is part of the process, right? Part of the process is is such an important such an important thing that to not to deny somebody the process of going through some of the things that we did and not giving them a few cheat codes is bulldogging information. So I just, you know, I, I always like to have that conversation and always like to draw that parallel and always like to, you know, make people understand that this is not two guys that are um, we're not jaded. I mean, we certainly have had some negative things happen too along the way, uh, but we're not jaded. We still love our jobs. We still go home accomplished at the end of the day. We still like, you know, we still love motorcycles. And I would agree that, or have to say that we have a very different relationship than our customers do with motorcycles. And I try to explain that all the time. If you're going to be a bike shop owner, you are going to have to allow as part of the process, your relationship with motorcycles change quite a bit. I would argue that people like yourself and myself and, and, and Mike, uh, Mike Miller and, and, you know, all the different Tony from Ramjet, all of us, I wouldn't say that motorcycles are more important to us than our customers, but I would definitely say that they're more, they're at a critical mass. You feed your children, Ryder and Gwen, and, and go to school or went to school and have clothes on their back based off of motorcycles. The food you put in your on your table at night that your wife cooks for you is because of motorcycles. So we have kind of this feast famine mentality about it that is super important and, and shouldn't be, I don't just don't think it should be marginalized. So we have to, we have to make sure that people understand the importance of the relationship they're going to have with this.
0: Yeah, there, there's going to be times, you know, as, as a motorcycle shop owner that, you know, especially if things aren't going well, you know, and, and, and you're struggling and you're Robin Peter, Ray Paul, and you're juggling that you see a motorcycle, you want to throw up, you know, and you have to, you have to get through that. You know, I went through, you know, in like 07, 08, you know, um, probably till 2011 or 12. You know, it was very very difficult, and you know that was uh, that was a very very difficult time. And I was very thankful. to uh, oh, Sorry, the dog found the mailman drive by. And no problem. Anyway, um, but I was, I was super thankful to find FXRs at that time. So I found a motorcycle I was very very passionate about, you know, and and a group of shop owners who all like FXRs who are equally as passionate about it so um yeah we have a different relationship with motorcycles it's not just a hobby you know it's something that you know we you're right we feed our families we make the truck payment we do everything we can possibly do you know and we also hopefully love them and want to ride them and and you know all the things
1: yeah yeah. So, but, but so, I, I want to make sure that people are open to that. I, you have to be, I believe that we have to be, um, we have to be very open to that and, 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 you know, we have to be cognizant of it, that it's, you know, it's part of, it's part of the process. You know, I, I just think that, I just think that it is, you know?
0: So I, you know, while we're doing these, these podcasts to try and help other shop owners, and I believe it will. Um, there's no, uh, there's no replacement for just time and experience and, and paying your dues and going through the shitty times. And, you know, if you don't go through the shitty times, you don't even know what the good times are, Um, you know, but the, uh, you know, the getting back to the customers, you know, that, that's the thing right there. You know, what I really believe in what I try and convey to anybody in my circle you know who we work with we're we're more in the people business than we are the bike business you know it's about the relationships we make
1: and the proof of that, customers. John, is the proof of that is you'll retain a customer that has multiple bikes and you'll work on multiple bikes for that same customer. And I know you've had yep. this happen. I have it happen, too, where I have a customer that buys one of my customers' bikes. And then we end up, you know, he's like, hey, I know my bike's been coming here for a considerable amount of time. Can you tell me when the last time it was serviced before? You know what I mean? You become like this yep. kind of this arbiter of information in the community that you create around your bike shop. And and so... I want to I want to switch gears a little bit and, and, and kind of move on to a, another subject that you're very good about doing and you preach this very much um, but about com- creating community and events in your, in your area but I want to talk to people about the importance of networking at uh, at n- national events what do you think
0: well you know for the first let's see I really didn't leave California till 2019. I started DreamRides in 2004. Before that, I had another bike shop. Let's say 2004 to 2019, that's 15 years. Um, if I'm doing my math right, yeah, 15 years right. that I never went, went on a national level. Uh, and I got to tell you, the relationships you make on a national level, the, the being present, being present and part of the motorcycle industry as a whole, is game-changing um you know so there's the relationships you make with your customers that's very important but also the relationships you make with your suppliers your um you know other bike shop owners uh anybody you might look up to in the motorcycle world you know uh that that really that it really makes makes it enjoyable and and you can have a little bit of a big brother, um, having a, having a motorcycle shop or being an entrepreneur for most people can be a very isolating experience. Um, you know, unless you're lucky enough that you and your wife are entrepreneurs and okay, maybe you guys can relate and talk about it. But you know, that's not where I came from. You know, none of my buddies had shops, none of my, you know, none of my family had ever worked for themselves. Like, so when I, when I was able to broaden my horizons and go and do things on a national level and start building those relationships and being able to, you know, I, I just, and something silly, but, you know, I had a, a, one of my shovelhead motors, I can't get the fucking front rocker box to quit leaking It's driving me nuts. Right, You know, and I've been running, running to Meta gaskets. So I'm able to pick up a phone call and call like Dave Perowitz and be like, Hey Dave, here's what I got. What do you think? You know, and he, he's like, well, you yeah, know, just try a little bit thicker, uh, one of the, you know, uh, little thicker gaskets. Maybe there's some imperfections, you know, and it's stupid stuff like that. If I think about it, okay. Yeah, that's cool. I can figure it out myself, but to be able to pick up the phone and, and call, um, somebody you look up to in the motorcycle industry is going to keep your passion for it. It's going to, uh, you're going to have examples to look up to. Um, You're going to go home. Like, so uh, 2019 Surgeonist Jeff Holt had invited me to go uh, to his bike show. And I initially said, no, I can't go. You know, I can't take the time off work. And thank God my wife pushed me to go. So my daughter and I built a bike and we took, we had two best of shows that weekend, you know, and, and another uh, I think we're at third or fourth place in the FXR show. Um, and it was a game changer for me. I went home and I was on fire for motorcycles. I couldn't wait to, to you know, just keep pushing. And it was just a kick in the ass I needed, you know, and, the number one thing I, I think that as a motorcycle shop owner, you owe to yourself is enjoy what you do.
1: Um, enjoy what you do. And also I think you owe, oh, it, it's a little bit of paying back the the economy and the industry that, that provides the, the tools that we need to do our job when you participate in these events. And I, and I know everybody can't go to Sturgis, but I'm telling you, you know, the two events that I think are absolute must attends uh, in this industry, and there used to be a lot more must attends, but I think that you need to, as a shop owner, you need to attend uh, an NVT, MVP type event at least once a year. Yep. Some sort of trade yep. show that is motorcycle centric, not SEMA. I don't have a problem with SEMA. SEMA is a little overwhelming. It's big, it's such a machine. I, I really think that SEMA is so big that you, it's more of a party than anything. I really feel like you should attend some sort of trade show once a year, and and take at least one of your employees, a different one every time, or all of them if you can afford to, to these trade shows. Give them the opportunity to understand that it's not so insular that just working in your shop doesn't mean that you work in your shop. You work in in an industry that's all over the country, all over the world, and people really, really think they want to be a part of the industry that you're already a part of and you need to have your own networking as well because you never know where that could lead um, but I also think that you need to attend Daytona and you need to attend Sturgis every year if you can. Those are the bookends for me. I know they to- Daytona has a Toberfest and I do go to that and it's a great event whatever but it doesn't kick the year off like Daytona kicks the year off and Sturgis really puts a bookend on the year and allows you to to see Daytona allows you to see what everybody's doing. Who's the players this year? And Sturgis allows everybody to kind of put a put punctuation on the year and say, okay, this is what we accomplished as a group. And you're going to find that there are many, many groups of subsects in this group, uh, in this in this industry of people, whether it be the hamsters or whether it be um, the guys, the performance scene, whether it be the chopper scene that's still you know alive and well um, at you know. the the, the cycle source stuff. You understand what I'm saying? Like there's there's a community out here that needs good people in it. And it's like, how do you make a a bad neighborhood good? A bunch of good people have to move into it. I'm not saying we're in a bad neighborhood, but we can make a good neighborhood even better when we have quality professionals that are engaged and interested in what they're doing. And you can take something from Sturgis, go home, create your own event, small little regional event, you know?
0: Yeah, so, uh, you know, as a, a former West Coast guy, that that's a a, a hard a hard deal, right? <laughs> yeah. Daytona for a guy in California it is
1: near impossible. Could
0: not be more foreign, you know. But but you know the the you know Sturgis is centrally located. If you can go to Sturgis, participate in the shows, and all that, that's great. But the, really, for me, Dragon VP, okay, yep. or some other trade show that's really where you're really going to build those relationships in the industry, you know, cause it's not a public event. It's not anything else. And what happens is when you go to the, the MVPs, the first time you're not going to know a soul but the second or third time, you know, as long as you're not some wallflower who refuses to talk to anybody, you're going to know half the room. Right. You know? And then when you go to a Sturgis, you go to a Daytona or you go to some big event, you know, a lot of the players there and you're not, you're not, you're no longer an outsider. You're, you're part of the motorcycle industry rather than just some guy who works in your shop, whether you own the shop or not. No. So, um, you know, if you're a shop owner, like, first of all, the reason we do this is because we love it or, you know, the reason we should do it is because we love it. You know, there's there's more more profitable businesses out there. If that's which, you, if you're just into making money, okay, right on, good for you. Um, but the thing that killed me for so many years was thinking that I could not, I could not get out of my shop to make it happen. So, you know, I needed to, you know, I needed to do that to push my shop forward, and I didn't even know it. I thought, you know by going to service or spending a thousand bucks to, on the hotel and air flight to go to MVP, then I was costing myself money. No, it was quite the opposite. I was costing myself money, money by not doing those things. Sure.
1: It's like not um, having somebody who writes service for you.
0: Yeah. You know, so, so, but by doing those things, like here, here's a prime example. I was in service last year, right? My brother and I decided we're going to go over the Baker fund rags. Well, I mean, we, we've been on the drag race, dragging, drag race in Sacramento, you know, quite a, quite a few times, but not, no, no time recent. Well, I got out there and I had so much fun and I forgot how much fun it was that I, on the way home, I was like, you know what? We're calling Knoxville Drive Trip. We're going to set something up. So we started doing this event here locally. It's an eighth mile track you know, and we just hijacked their testing. They have every Friday night, they have a testing <laughs> two nights. Right. You know, cause I'm not going to spend any money on this, but it's something that I love to do and I enjoy it. So I called the track owner. I'm like, Hey, you know, if I create an event to get people there on testing two nights on motorcycles, is that a problem? And he goes, no, as many as you can get here. Right. So we do this deal, you know, and, uh, we did two events after surges last year, one September, one October. And we're getting 40, 50 people out on the track who had never been on a track before. And if you've ever been down a track, you know how much fun that is. And you know, especially you know, your first time doing it, you're on fire. You just can't fucking wait for the next time. Well, what's that lead to? That leads to people wanting to do suspension or shift lights or bigger motors or whatever the heck they want to do to try and beat your buddy on the track. Well, because I was in Sturgis having fun, enjoying the motorcycle industry, right? it gave me the idea to start an event here locally, which is actually turning into business. So that's just one example, you know, of you know, the things that happen when you participate in the motorcycle industry rather than just own a shop.
1: Yeah. it's, is, it's is that it's, makes it, any sense? No, it absolutely does. It's critical. And I want to keep, you know, I know it sounds like to some people, like we just keep rehashing some of that. And we're not. What we're trying to do is we're trying to drive the point home that being active in a it, it, being part of being, make yourself accountable. And part of being accountable is make sure that you are participating. Bless you. Make sure that you're participating in, in that accountability piece, right? It's such an important, it's such an important part of, of everything, of everything that we do. You know, it's so important.
0: It it is. And what, what's going to happen is you owe it to yourself to go enjoy what you do. You know, if, if all you're ever dealing with is bullshit problems in the shop, in which a lot of this is bullshit problems in the shop you're gonna you're not gonna have passion for it you're not gonna be as good you're not gonna have as good ideas you're not gonna push the envelope and if you don't push the envelope you know we need more people pushing the envelope in this industry we need more people attending we there's a, a ton that do but you know, the other guy, whoever you know, this fictional character number one here, you know, bike shop owner shows up. He might have the fucking best idea in the world. That's a game changer for all of us. You know, really. Yeah, there's so there's there's works. there's
1: Daniel Hayman's out there that are, uh, are 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 mind blowing. You know, yeah, and, you and know, guys so- like Brock Bridges. And I, and I know, listen, I know you're not like a, not, not a chopper kid, but I know that you appreciate choppers. And I know that you appreciate hardworking people and you appreciate innovative people. And, you know, you, you, you pull these guys along into, in into the industry. And that's the other thing too, is, is as we wrap up today, I want to make sure that everybody knows that, we're, this is a call to action for not just the new guys in this business and the guys that are two, three years in, and the, in the, in the, the, the Sousa cycles and, you know, in, and, and the Mike Millers and things like that. We need veterans of this industry, people that have been around the block to find somebody, make yourself available, mentor people. I mean, you know, John, you and I were in that small, that small shop Alliance meeting in Daytona with some, What I would consider some pretty heavy veterans, guys like Bob Kay and uh, the guy from uh, the Motorcycle Rider Foundation and that these are guys that are real industry advocates. And uh, that's what they were preaching was that, you know, we have to make information and ourselves available for people who are coming up behind us as a legacy.
0: Absolutely, you know. Um, yeah, so if, if you are a veteran and you, you know, a veteran in the industry, you know, and and it's easy for me to say, but you know, show up, keep keep showing up. Find the young guys who need some mentorship. Absolutely,
1: make yourself you know, available. That's how
0: we all. That's how we all grow together. That's how we do this. That's how we can keep doing this. But you know the the you know the way we started this thing was talking about, you know, customer expectation and customer, um, it's about the customer experience in our shop. And that's going to lead to being able to afford to go to service, being able to afford to go to, uh, MVP, you know, because sometimes it's just strictly a dollars and cents thing. You know, you got to pay the light bill. You don't have enough money, <laughs> you know, end of story. Right. So the way you get enough money is by writing those work orders. Great. You got to, you got to interview the bike, you know, and, and just cause you're hungry for work doesn't mean that you should just take anything that walk through the door, you know? Um, you know, so you have to, you have to deal with the basics first. You have to get your, yourself to a place where you can do these things. And then once you can do it's like a snowball, man, you know, for, you know, 10, 15 years, I was banging my head against the wall. You know, I'd say 2013, 14, you know, after the recession, okay, I'm starting to gain some steam, starting to figure this out a little bit. You know, things aren't quite as tight as they were. You know, I I don't have to worry about my light bill being paid. You know, I've got enough money for that. Right. You know, and, and once, once you're able to, um, get past that point and the snowball starts to build, pretty soon, you know, it, it starts growing exponentially because you've got that time, you've got that experience, you're, you're able to to make moves, to you know, to make more money, not necessarily even to make more money, just to increase your opportunity to further your shop or your life or the next, like you want to build yeah you know um <laughs> so, let's
1: be honest here the next bike that you want to build is is really super important too <laughs>
0: <laughs> well let, let's be honest there's a reason we've all done this yeah it's so we can get wholesale discounts on parts yeah. <laughs> that's how a lot of us started our shop this is because we thought we were going to make a million bucks in the bike industry as well uh yeah, I want to be able to build this bike for a little bit cheaper, so I better open the shop. <laughs> oh, God, that's so funny.
1: <laughs> well, so let's wrap up today with today's Inside Job Takeaways. The Inside Job Takeaways today, number one, never sacrifice your standard of care for money. You've, you've, you've driven that point home. Again, you did the callback on and everything. Your parts department sells a tangible item. Your service department sells squares of time. So make sure that you're managing your squares of time and make sure you're mindful of what you're actually producing out there. Make sure that you're profitable. Interview your customers and your customer's bike before you you make any promises and and learn that that ebb and flow of of information back and forth. Provide estimates for repairs and quotes for installs. And last but not least, I added this one in, John. Do not stop when you find a broken part. Stop when you find a part that's still good. So anything else you have for a takeaway today before we wrap up, John?
0: No, man, I just, uh, you know, do me a favor. If you're listening to this and you like it, or you have topics you want to hear us talk about, or you have critiques and, and you think we missed the mark on something, um, by no means uh, do, I, do I think I have all the answers or even half the answers. I'm just sharing my experience and I uh, do not want to come off like we, we – here, here's, here's the end-all, be-all. It's just these are our experiences. And part of what I know I'm hoping for, and I believe you're hoping for it too, Jason, is as we keep this going, we're gonna we're gonna hear from other bike shop owners who maybe uh, maybe have been in this longer or or have different experiences and are willing to share those experiences with us. You know, so please feel free to DM, feel free to uh, you know instant message me or whatever. Um, you know, I, I'm here I'm here to help. Whatever I can do to keep on the motorcycle industry because this is all I ever want to
1: do the rest of my life. Yep, and I'm looking forward to having some some quality people on uh, on the on the on the uh, podcast with us too. So everybody have a great week, be prosperous and productive. John, I'll talk to you very soon, buddy. Have a great day.
0: Bye, right, homie. Bye. Bye.